Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello there, Six Packers. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 19. Before I begin this episode, I want to make a very special announcement. I'm changing the schedule of the show from two days a week to one day a week. The reason for this is because I work alone and two weekly episodes have become a little overwhelming. Not only do I have to produce this podcast, but I also have to write four of what we believe, why we believe at Parish Bulletin inserts each week, produce a free weekly webinar to help Catholics better know and understand the faith, fulfill my commitments to various other Catholic apostolates, and work on my book manuscripts. Three years ago, that wouldn't have been a problem. However, I've had a debilitating stroke that confined me to a wheelchair, and I can only use one hand now. So I hope you'll excuse me for reducing the show to once a week, but it's really become a necessity for me. This will be my only episode for this week, and future shows will be available on Wednesdays from now on. If you're on my email list, you'll continue to be notified when each new episode is available. Now that that's out of the way, let's get started with today's topic. No one has been more loyal to the Catholic Church and the papacy than I am. After all, part of my name is the Every Catholic Guy, and I'm a convert who became a Catholic because every single teaching of the Catholic Church was proven to me beyond any reasonable doubt. I still believe the Catholic Church was established by Jesus Christ, and I'm still loyal to the papacy. Because I've studied all things Catholic so intently for the last 30 years, I have the ability to separate Father Bergoglio, the simple priest of Argentina, from Pope Francis. There's a difference, you know. Since I'm calling out Father Bergoglio as a heretic while sitting on the chair of Peter, I'll need to explain a bit about the differences between Father Bergoglio and Pope Francis, so you can understand why the anomalies of this papacy are possible. We'll talk about that when we come back. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. 
before I can explain the heresies of Bergoglio, I first need to explain how the church established by Christ is still as pure as it was 2,000 years ago, despite Bergoglio running through the church like a wrecking ball and the sexual scandals in the priesthood. As Catholics, we all know that Jesus established the Catholic Church. If you don't, just let me know and I'll show you in the Bible. He made the church and pope infallible in all matters of faith and morals, but most Catholics don't have a proper understanding of exactly what infallibility is. According to Lumen Gentium from the Second Vatican Council, the Roman pontiff, head of the College of Bishops, enjoys this infallibility in virtue of his office when, as supreme pastor and teacher of all the faithful who confirms his brethren in the faith, he proclaims by a definitive act a doctrine pertaining to faith or morals. This doesn't mean the Pope is infallible in all things. For example, the Pope wouldn't be exercising the charism of infallibility if he were to, say, predict the winner of the World Series. Carl Keating says that the inability of the Church to teach error is infallibility, and it's a negative protection. It means what is officially taught will not be wrong, not that the official teachers will have the wits about them to stand up to teach what is right when it needs to be taught. The Pope is infallible only under the following four conditions. 1. When he speaks ex cathedra, in other words, when he speaks officially as supreme pastor of the universal church. He's not infallible when acting as supreme lawmaker, judge, or ruler. Nor is he infallible as a simple priest or as the local bishop of Rome. 2. When he defines a doctrine regarding faith and morals. This means to settle a doctrine definitively, finally, and irrevocably. To omit defining a doctrine may cause great harm or be negligence on the part of the Pope, but that wouldn't nullify the charism of infallibility. 3. When he speaks of faith and morals, which includes the whole content of divine revelation, it follows that the Pope is also infallible in judging doctrines and facts so intimately connected with revelation that they can't be denied without endangering revelation itself. Fourth, when he intends to bind the entire church and the intention to bind all the faithful must be clearly stated. If he fails to express the intention to bind the consciences of the faithful, it's not infallible. In all of Bergoglio's ridiculous heretical comments, he's never met any of these conditions for infallibility. He's always acted as a simple priest, bishop of Rome, or as a fallible theologian. This is nothing new under the sun. We've had heretical popes before, just not in living memory. Don't be surprised or offended or confused by this. A heretic is a traitor to Christ and his church, and there have been traitors from the very beginning. Let's remember that Judas was handpicked by Jesus as an apostle, and he betrayed Jesus. In fact, Peter, our first pope, denied even knowing Jesus after Judas betrayed him, and all the apostles ran for their lives after the betrayal. Despite all the betrayals and treacheries over the centuries, Jesus' church is still as pristinely pure as it was when Jesus founded her 2,000 years ago. Why? because she's the mystical body of Christ, with him as its head and we as its members, so to speak, the uh, torso, arms, and legs. For a body to live, to be animated, it has to have a soul. The soul of the church is the Holy Spirit. That means the Catholic Church is divine, so it's unspotted and holy. 
Bergoglio has made statements that are either outright heresy, they border on heresy, or they imply that he holds to certain heresies. Let's examine a few of these. Bergoglio says it's impossible, even with God's grace, for anyone to obey the commandments of God and avoid sin. Yet the magisterium of the church says, if anyone says that the commandments of God are impossible to observe, even for a man who is justified and established in grace, let him be anathema. That came from the Council of Trent. Bergoglio says a Christian believer can have full knowledge of a divine law and voluntarily choose to break it in a serious matter, but not be in a state of mortal sin as a result of this action. Yet the magisterium of the church says, again, from the Council of Trent, If anyone says that a justified man, however perfect he may be, is not bound to observe the commandments of God and of the church, but is bound only to believe as if the gospel were merely an absolute promise of eternal life without the condition of the commandments to be observed, let him be anathema. Bergoglio says, A person is able, while he obeys a divine prohibition, to sin against God by the very act of obedience. Yes, sacred scripture says, the law of the Lord is unspotted and converting. That comes right out of the Psalms. Bergoglio says, Conscience can truly and rightly judge that sexual acts be between persons who have contracted a civil marriage with each other, although one or both of them is sacramentally married to another person, can sometimes be morally right, or requested, or even commanded by God. This is, in my opinion, the very worst of his heresies, because it's scandalous and leads millions of Catholics into a chronic state of mortal sin. Yet the magisterium of the church proves the Pope's heresy when it says, If anyone says that Jesus Christ was given by God to men as a Redeemer, in whom they are to trust, but not also as a lawgiver whom they are bound to obey, let him be anathema. That's from the Council of Trent. Another quote from the council, If anyone says that it's lawful for Christians to have several wives at the same time, and that this is not forbidden by divine law, let him be anathema. The church has yet another. If anyone says that the marriage bond can be dissolved because of heresy or difficulties in cohabitation, or because of the willful absence of one of the spouses, let him be anathema. Finally, the church says, If anyone says that the church is in error for having taught and for still teaching that in accordance with the evangelical and apostolic doctrine, the marriage bond cannot be dissolved because of adultery on the part of one of the spouses, and that neither of the two, not even the innocent one who has given no cause for infidelity, can contract another marriage during the lifetime of the other, and that the husband who dismisses an adulterous wife and marries again and the wife who dismisses an adulterous husband and marries again, are both guilty of adultery, let him be anathema. Let's look at another heresy. Bergoglio says it is false that the only sexual acts that are good of their kind and morally licit are acts between husband and wife. This is a complete contradiction of the infallible word of God. 
1 Corinthians says, Do not err, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor liars with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor railers, nor extortioners shall possess the kingdom of God. And Jude says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring cities, in like manner, having given themselves to fornication and going after other flesh, were made an example, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. There are also contradictions to Bergoglio's comment in Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, and Pius IX's Casti Canubii, Paul VI's Humanae Vitae, and John Paul II's Evangelium Vitae. As the final example of Bergoglio's heresies, I'd like to point out that he said, God not only permits, but positively wills the pluralism and diversity of religions, both Christian and non-Christian. This is an enormous heresy that actually makes Jesus out to be a liar. Jesus said in John, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And Peter, our first pope, said of Jesus in Acts, This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. I could go on and on about the things Bergoglio has said. This doesn't even take into account the things he's done that are completely against the faith, but we don't have time to cover all that in this episode. Unless you're paying attention to Orthodox Catholic media, chances are this is your first inkling about Bergoglio being in heresy. Things are so bad that there have been many actions taken by his own cardinals, bishops, theologians, and prominent laity. The very first action taken was the issuance of something called dubia, which are questions from members of the College of Cardinals asking the Pope for clarification of something in his teachings. In this case, there were four cardinals, Brandmuller, Burke, Kafara, and Meisner, who asked Bergoglio to clarify certain things in his encyclical Amoris Laetitia in November of 2014. He's never answered those questions, and apparently he never will. In September of 2017, 60 scholars and theologians who had become impatient with Bergoglio's failure to answer the Cardinal's dubia from three years earlier wrote an open and very public document called Fraternal Correction. A fraternal correction is supposed to be done by the bishops of the church, but our bishops apparently lack the backbone to support the four cardinals in their dubia. In November 2017, two months later, Henry Sire, a Spanish-born British historian and Vatican insider, published a wildly popular international best-selling book titled The Dictator Pope. The book is highly critical of Bergoglio and talks about a Francis that is totally different from his public persona when the cameras are off. It also discusses and documents a number of topics the public would never have known without the publication of this book. In August 2018, Archbishop Carlo Vigano gave his first of several sworn testimonies that were bombshells for the Bergoglio papacy. Ultimately, this testimony led to the laicization of Theodore McCarrick, but it also makes some very damning accusations of Bergoglio based on first-hand information, none of it hearsay. 
The Vigano testimony, because the Archbishop's international reputation, has caused 40 bishops to call for investigations of Bergoglio and support for Archbishop Vigano. Among some of the bishops publicly calling for investigations are Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, Daniel Cardinal Gernardo, Archbishop Joseph Nauman, Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, Bishop Barron, and Bishop Thomas Olmsted. Archbishop Vigano fears Bergoglio and the power he possesses, so he's living in hiding for fear of his life. In November of 2018, a highly respected Vatican theologian, Monsignor Nicola Books, publicly accused Bergoglio of breaking with previous popes and causing heresies and schisms. He was especially critical of the pope's train wreck of an encyclical, Amoris Laetitia. Finally, in April of 2019, just last month, an open letter to the bishops of the church was published by 67 prominent clergy, scholars, and theologians imploring them to do their duty and end the heresies of this papacy. They're requesting that the bishops defend the authentic faith of the church and reverse all of Bergoglio's heresies and episcopal appointments to dioceses and to the College of Cardinals. Among the signatories of this letter, perhaps the most prominent is the theologian Father Aidan Nichols, one of the best-known theologians in the English-speaking world. I've made the case for the Bergoglio papacy being in a state of irreversible disrepair with heresy and actions contrary to the Catholic faith. Bergoglio, among other things, is a globalist and socialist, neither of which is compatible with Catholicism. Indeed, he's even called the United Nations to form a new branch to force nations to accept and implement that body's world agenda, which includes the acceptance and promotion of abortion, homosexuality, and transgenderism. Some of you may be hearing this for the first time. So what's the role of the Catholic laity? What are we supposed to do? Well, first and foremost, we should pray intently for Pope Francis that he repent of his errors before it's too late. After all, his immortal soul is in jeopardy, and he's already 82 years old. We should also pray for our cardinals and bishops. Pray that some of the bishops who adhere to Bergoglio's heresies renounce them, and that the rest of them find the courage to do whatever they have to do to defend the faith, even if that means sacrificing their lives. After all I've said in this episode, it might seem odd to you, but we must remain faithful to the church and the papacy. True faithfulness doesn't mean giving Bergoglio a pass or accepting his heretical words and actions. True faithfulness, true love for Christ's church, means working tirelessly for the restoration of the church to its pristine state. The Council of Ephesus took place in the year 431. It was convoked because the church was under siege from the heresy of Nestorianism. It was the Pope who convoked the council, but he wasn't the driving force behind its convocation. The Catholic laity was. Even the Pope and most of the bishops held to the heresy of Nestorianism, but the laity demanded orthodoxy, as is their right, as is our right. Guided by the Holy Spirit, whether they realized it or not, the bishops of the Council of Ephesus laid the Nestorian heresy to rest when they declared Mary the Theotokos, or God-bearer. When the new declaration was announced, there was massive celebrating in the streets by the laity. The laity saved the church in 431, and we can do it again in 2019. 
But in order to save the faith, we have to know and understand the faith. I can help with that. I host webinars about the faith every week. Visit JoeSixPackAnswers.com and place your email on my list so you can begin getting invitations to register for these webinars. As countless people who I've taught can tell you, there's never a temptation to yawn while I'm teaching. You can find all the appropriate links in my show notes on CantankerousCatholic.com. As you all know, my battle cry is comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. Now's the time to put that battle cry into action for all of us. I don't want to be comfortable until the convictions of our faith are again being taught from the top down. Join me. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. NBC chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel has launched a new on-assignment series where, purportedly, he doesn't just get to the story, he goes to the center of it. Engel kicked off his show on April 14 with a report on how ultra-conservative Catholics are taking aim at Pope Francis, a humble priest who reaches out to the marginalized. Oh, brother. It's pretty much what you'd expect from someone who spends most of his time on television talking with Rachel Maddow. This is an NBC hit piece, which tells me all Catholics should favor what Engel is trashing. You can read the whole story by clicking on the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to LifeSite News. A Brazilian representative elected to the county's Chamber of Deputies, which would be our equivalent of the House of Representatives, gave an opening speech declaring her commitment as a Catholic to Christ the King of the Universe, and ended her opening speech with the cry, Viva Cristo Rey, which means long live Christ the King. Why can't we get people like this in Congress? You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to LifeSite News. A 64-year-old woman with lung cancer is allegedly at risk of being euthanized by a Minnesota hospital, despite having stated emphatically from her hospital bed in a video that is now going viral that she wants to live. If you're not a healthy young adult, there's no place safe for you anymore. 
I'm in my 60s and bad health, so this is something I worry about. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick number two. two. Hats off to LifeSite News. Rosary Coast to Coast aims to unite Catholics across the United States and the world in prayer on October 13th. Wow, the video with this is awesome. Get the word out. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick pick number one. Hats off to LifeSite News. Boy, I really like this story. The Alabama House of Representatives voted overwhelmingly Tuesday to pass legislation that would criminalize the vast majority of abortions with the express purpose of provoking a judicial review of Roe v. Wade. The Alabama Human Life Protection Act bans abortion for any reason other than to avert a mother's death or to avert serious risk of substantial physical impairment of a major bodily function. Mental or emotional health would not qualify. Performing an abortion would become a Class C felony, punishing abortionists with up to 10 years in prison and a fine of up to $15,000. Who says Southerners are stupid? These Alabama legislatures have more guts in their pinkies than all of Congressional Republicans combined. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A young student named Francis came to St. Philip Neri one day and told him he was going to study law. What a happy man I am. I'm going to study and become a learned man. And then what? asked Father Philip. Then I'll become a great lawyer and win fame. And then what? Then I'll become very rich and build a beautiful home for myself. And then what? Then I'll marry and live the rest of my life in comfort. Francis, then what? Francis didn't know what else to say. After some thought, he said, Then, like everybody else, I'll die. And then what, Francis? Francis was disturbed, but he answered gravely, Then I'll wait to learn God's judgment on me. Here he stopped. He couldn't answer further. The question made him change all of his plans for the future. He later became a priest of the Oratorian Order. St. Philip Neri may have been a bit of a buzz killer, but the thought of particular judgment may have been the grace that saved this young man's soul. If you're really convinced that you'll be judged according to all you do in this life, you'll hardly do anything that might cause you to lose your soul. When you're tempted to commit sin, remember death and the question, then what? Hey, six-packers, that's all for this episode. I've enjoyed having you with me. Don't forget to like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. The links are in my show notes. Also, remember to visit joesixpackanswers.com to sign up for my free email course. Each short lesson arrives in your inbox every three days. We also have the Cantankerous Catholic Social Media Group you can join to discuss anything about Catholicism, our country, or anything else on your mind. I visit the page every day. The link's also in my show notes. There are lots of other neat things of interest in my show notes, too. You can find them at cantankerouscatholic.com. And remember to live by the Joe Sixpack battle cry. Comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. 
This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.